Welcome to another episode of Cultural or Culture Encounters. I am your host, Chad Ombi. Uh, and I'm back in the host seat this week. Uh, I want to say thank you very much to, real quick before we start, to everyone who reached out to me um, last week in relation to um, the episode we recorded about um, my diagnosis with autism or ASD and ADHD. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who reached out. Um, I'm, I appreciate it greatly. Um, sincerely, it was very heartwarming. Um, and thank you to Ama for helping me tell my story. Uh, I cannot say uh, enough positive things about this woman uh, and just how wonderful she is as a person. And, That's kind. Um, you know, she has such, if you don't know Ama, um, she has a very big heart. Uh, and once you get to know Ama, you'll be like, yep, she definitely has a big heart. Uh, so thank you sincerely. I'm proud to call you my friend. Aww. Uh, so to that end, let's go ahead and get started with our episode today. Uh, so today what we're talking about is, uh, part one of a two part, um, conversation about the ideas of cultural intelligence and cultural curiosity. So we're going to start with cultural intelligence. Uh, today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, in that it's going to be a conversation with myself and Ama, and we're going to discuss really culture. We're going to start with cultural intelligence and kind of what that means to us, and then kind of how applicable it is. So, uh, first, Ama, um, how how would you define cultural intelligence, and um, how how is that really um, related to your life and the connections you've been able to make with people? Yeah, well, that's a great question. But before we, we even dive into that, um, I want to mention that the purpose of our nonprofit, like our current mission, is promoting cultural acceptance, awareness, and overall cultural appreciation, right? So that's kind of where we are. That's the field. We started off as an arts organization, but over the last three years, we've moved into this realm of promoting cultural appreciation and awareness. And there's a reason for that. The reason for that is twofold. One is personal to me as an immigrant living, living as an immigrant, sorry, living in America, it's become apparent that there is, especially where we live in Virginia and beyond, where we're not as diverse culturally as we would like in a big city, like in DC or in New York, there is a lack of cultural appreciation where it almost seems like all the immigrants tend to either live close to each other and band together and almost there is this force to assimilate versus integrating into a beautiful culture like this. So that, that is a need. And so anyway, I'm going to use that as the basis for which I define what I think cultural intelligence is. I think the cultural intelligence in its simplistic form and I've been reading around too, and I have my own definitions, but from, you know, just my understanding of it, cultural intelligence, pretty much it's one's ability to relate to someone from another culture. Right. And so even within the United States, you do have subcultures. And so for one to be able to go across their culture and relate tangibly or effectively with someone in another culture is what we call cultural intelligence. And it's kind of derived from the roots of emotional intelligence, 
Right. Where emotional intelligence is dealing more with your ability ability to understand your own emotions and uh, respond appropriately to your own emotions and also understanding that of someone else and responding to that. It kind of has that same connotation when you bring it into the cultural sense where you are understanding your own culture and how your culture influences the way you act, the way you think, the way you live. It also influences your biases, right? And being able to put those aside and going up and relating to someone else from another culture. So I know what I said is, is a lot, uh, but in <laughs> right. yeah, simple form, cultural intelligence is the ability to relate to someone from another culture. So now, it, that's pretty much what it is. It, my question for you is, is what I've been pondering about this, is the word mm-hmm. intelligence is is such a, in general, such a, um, a loaded word, you know, yeah. with so many different interpretations of what that means. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, so my question for you is, um, are some people predisposed to being naturally better at cultural intelligence or is it something where it can be taught? It can be, you know, learned based on, you know, your life experiences. Cause like, for mm-hmm. example, as a teacher, um, we don't expect students to know long division until we teach it to them. But yes. you know, that also, you know, yes, you need to have the ability to, like be exposed to different cultures, but at the same time, some people based on, you know, not neurodivergence or whatever um, may have different abilities when it comes to uh, different types of intelligences, like you said. Mm-hmm. So do you think, yeah. uh, do you think people, certain individuals are more um, not susceptible, but are mm-hmm. more capable of possessing yeah. a cultural intelligence? Or do you think that it's kind of like a, a blank slate? Uh, and then all, all we need is just, you know, open dialogue? Well, it's both. I think some people are just naturally good at it, right? right. There's some people who are just born and it's, it's it has to do with your personality as well. So if you are more extroverted, your ability to relate across, right? To relate with someone is right. definitely easier versus when you're introverted. So I think that some people are naturally right. inclined to be more in culturally intelligent, but that does not mean that we cannot learn to become culturally intelligent. Exactly. I think there's an ability to do that. And you can do that in so many ways. I'm just going to jump ahead and say that there are things you can do to help you become more culturally intelligent. The first thing I think we all have to do is start paying attention to our own biases, right? So let's say that you were walking down the street and you met someone who um, it's maybe from the Middle East or maybe one of the Middle Eastern countries who is Muslim, who has the cover on and, 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 and almost like you, because of how the media has portrayed Islam and stuff like that, we're, some people just tend not to even want to engage people like that, right? Um, that's just an example. Um, what I'm saying is our own biases can stop us from reaching across. So one right. of the ways to overcome your own lack of cultural intelligence is to stop paying attention to your own biases. Why are you not talking to that woman because she's covered from head to toe? Why, you know, she's a human. Why can't you talk to her? Right. Right. And so paying attention to your own biases, I feel like it's the first step to becoming culturally intelligent. The next thing is be read, right? Now we have all these things that we can read. We can read a book. We can listen to audio books. Um, we can watch YouTube channels, you know, 
I met a woman and I'm going to bring in this example because I met a woman at a nail salon. She's a nail technician. And I went in with my mother, she was visiting and we went to the nail salon. And so as I was speaking my language with my mother, this nail technician, um, I think she was from Vietnam or somewhere, realized that we were speaking another language. And she was like, oh my goodness, what are you speaking? You know. And I said, we're from Ghana and we're speaking this language called Eve. And she was like, oh, that is cool. And then she went on to say, you know what? I would love to eat some fufu. And I'm looking at her thinking, really? You want to eat? Like, fufu is so Ghanaian. And she went on into fufu and peanut butter soup. And she was describing it to the point where I thought she had gone to Ghana. And she was like, no, I learned that on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that that, that actually, and we can talk more about that woman as well. It sounds like she, like, kind of goes to that point of cultural intelligence. She does. But also cultural curiosity, too, of, Exactly. Like trying to look up this this recipe mm-hmm. on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the beautiful thing about, you know, the internet right now is there's yeah. so, oh my gosh, there's like so many negative, toxic, horrible things online. Mm-hmm. But there's also, it made, has made the world so much smaller that you yeah. have so much like access to different cultures and different customs mm-hmm. and different food and different <laughs> You know, there's so many different things and there's so much information at your fingertips, which, as we know, is a double-edged sword. But I think the positive, like you said, is, you know, we, you can learn about all of these things. You can learn about, you know, different cultures and and everything. So uh, I think I I wonder about that, too, with the cultural intelligence. Um, You know, uh, there's implicit bias, but that implicit bias comes from somewhere. So... Mm -hmm. Whether it is society, uh, society will perpetuate a lot yeah. of, of negativity, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in the world uh, about, you know, put, put, placing the, a label of an other on somebody. Exactly. Um, and another, uh, another uh, like, another thing is also familiar relationships as well, you mm-hmm. know, um, uh, you would love for every single person in your life to be, you know, an amazing human being. But the fact yeah. is, um, a lot of a lot of people are raised with implicit biases or whatever. Yeah. I think that when you get to know someone, it answers a lot of your own questions, and it also addresses your own biases as well. Right. 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 It's and I think that that's that's the struggle. The struggle is that we don't make time, especially in this day and age of technology, to get to know who you're in the room with. Right. You know, there's been times when even on you know on a daily basis, I'm in a room and I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, like I'm in a room filled with all Americans and then maybe me, right? And I'm thinking. Right. This is such an opportunity for us, not just for them to know who I am, but for me to know them as well. But we're all busy either on our phones or talking about something that is not beneficial in that moment, right? Right. Uh, We've been to restaurants. So my family and I enjoy going to ethnic restaurants. That's like a big thing. Like we travel and we're looking for every ethnic restaurant we can go to because it Mm -hmm. gives us, I think we do that for two reasons. One is a selfish reason because we find that most ethnic 
ethnic foods remind us of our own food. So that is why we kind of gear towards ethnic foods when we travel. But another mm-hmm. reason is that then it gives you, it almost feels like you were in somewhere exotic, you know? And so, oh, absolutely. yeah. So when we travel, like when we go on vacation, I'm always on my phone looking for ethnic restaurants around me and we would try all these different foods from ethnic restaurants. But recently we were on another trip and um, my husband and I, Fred and I were sitting in a restaurant. It was a Korean restaurant. And we walked in and it dawned on me that in that moment, in that Korean restaurant, we were actually in Korea, right? Because once you walk into the space, the decor, the food, the people, it's a representation of Korea. I'm not sure which part of Korea, but it's Korean, right? And so it was a representation of Korea. And I was telling Fred, one thing we don't do enough is when we walk into restaurants, we are not paying attention to the artwork on the room, in the room, or even engaging on a deeper level with a waiter or a waitress to kind of get to know their culture in a, on a more deeper level. Because we are spending about 15 to 20 minutes on the average with this waiter or waitress who is coming to see if you need, you know, what do you want order? You know, if everything is going well, they're just kind of checking on you, right? And we miss out on that opportunity to get to know these people. And I said, they are a representation of their country. Once you go into that restaurant, you are in that country. You have a piece of that country with you. So I feel like now when I go to ethnic restaurants, I soak it all in. I listen, excuse me, to the music. I'm looking at the art on the wall. I'm talking to the people. I just want to take it all in because it is a representation of that country. It's almost like going into the country without traveling to the country. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think yeah. that leads us into what is cu- uh, cultural curiosity, right? Yeah, uh, just curiosity. Yeah. So in my, yeah. Go my ahead. research I found for cultural curiosity is exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. So cultural curiosity is just according to one source, it's just the desire to learn and understand more about people whose cultural backgrounds, experiences, and perspectives are different from your own. Um, And I think that that is really, really cool to, um, you know, to, I think it's really cool when people, like you said, are naturally curious and Mm -hmm. and want to learn about cultures different than their own. And I think it's very, we're in a very unique situation in America um, because the idea of American culture, I put in quotes, is kind of a misnomer, right? Because we are such an amalgamation of so many different right. cultures and experiences and stories because we are a nation made up of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, um, and I was actually just having this conversation with my girlfriend, um, it's so different here, I would imagine, in other culture, in other countries, right? Because um, in America, you've got so many different ethnicities coming in maybe not now but like Mm. um you know back in the day it would be like oh you're we as a tendency tend to because we are so like you know america is so heterogeneous but it has a desire to be homogenous yeah even if not but it creates the illusion of homogeny right um that we tend to look at other cultures as based on geography as opposed to the cultures themselves. Mm-hmm. For example, mm-hmm. like in India, there are so many different cultures right. represented in India. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's millions of people there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you hear Indian 
or something is Indian or from India, um, you know, you get certain images or whatever. Um, yeah. Like, for example, in the film industry, when you hear about India, you hear, you immediately think, oh, Bollywood. Bollywood, yeah. Bollywood is a huge part of that, but there's still, right. there's a lot of other things. There's an entire social realism film industry that has thrived for decades. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're, geography is not culture. And I think that that is, is important to note. And I think that the point, the, the long winded point I was getting to was that, um, we need to be curious to delve deeper. You know, you can't just make the assumptions based on, you know, oh, you're from China, so this must be what you do. Yeah. Because everybody in China is the same. No, they're yeah. not. You know, no. like there's, there are, you know, similarities and things. And I think that that culture of curiosity can hopefully lead to understanding that you can't yeah. define someone else's culture for them. Yeah. That sense exactly so so it's funny you say that because when i first came into the country and i still hear it you know so a lot of people think africa is one country right, right. and that there are all these different states and so when i sound from ghana you're like oh so africa is the country and ghana is the state right and it's not right africa is the continent and there are 54 different countries and we're just one out of those 54 and it's mind-blowing for people because they can't understand like they can't wrap their minds around that and even right. within my country ghana they're they're about 15 i think that has changed by now but there are 15 languages that are learned in school and then there are over maybe 30 something or even more dialects that are spoken that are not even learned in school. And this is one small country with a population of about 30 million. And so it's very diverse. And I think that when people are curious, one of the things people need to start finding, and not just the geography, but engaging people enough to get to understand where they are coming from, right? Right. And and again, we're on our phones like 90% of our day, if not more, right? Yeah, right. Google stuff. Mrs. Google, I say Google is female, but anyway, <laughs> Mrs. Google is smart enough to tell you all the yeah. things you want to find out. And then the YouTube videos, if you like, if you're a video person, go on YouTube, Google a country. Maybe you met, I mean, not Google, like search a country on YouTube. Um, and there are all these videos you can watch. There are all these like tourist videos. There's the lives of people every day on all just find out the world because it's beautiful. We don't have to travel to do that. Mm -hmm.